It's fabulous. It's flowery. It's episode 29 of our podcast. You are so, so welcome. It's me, Lucy Nolan, here once again for your very own listening pleasure. And I am beyond excited to let you all know that he's back, back, back in my kitchen to reprise his floral role. It is, of course, the one, the only and the completely fantastic floristry genius that is Paulie Hawkins. Paulie, welcome back to my kitchen table. Lucy, it's gorgeous to be here and thank you for that wonderful introduction. Just carry on, could you? It was rather gorgeous. Mm. Um, yes, all good. Lovely to be down here in Sussex. How are you? I'm really well, thank you very much. Yes, in the middle of a little bit of a house paint at the moment. Mm, having very a, smart. Mm, having a few radical uh, window colour changes on the exterior of the house. Very nice. And good weather for it. Good weather for it. A little bit of sunny, a little chilly, but I'm not the one on the ladder, so don't care. Mm -hmm. And um, as you were so kind and helped me with my colour palette, I'm very proud to say that I've gone... Urban slate, everybody. Urban slate it for the windows. Very, very nice. It's mm. very clean and contemporary. Well done, you. And what's happening this week on the podcast? Well, what, what is happening this week? Pleased mm -hmm. to say this week we're focusing on a flower that I buy, I use, and I am very familiar with, unusually. But, as always, I shall very much be looking forward to hearing how you use it, Paulie, and what it brings to your amazing floral creations, and in particular, why you select it for particular clients and installations. Absolutely, Lucy. And this week, okay, we are delivering, for your information, stories and general flowery chit-chat on the Lysianthus. I'm going to say that again, listeners, the Lysianthus. Yes, yes. I love Elysianthus. I know I always say oh, I love that flower, but I really do love Elysianthus. And I, I just remember the first time I ever saw one. It was many years ago, and um, it, I was instantly sort of gobsmacked by its charming habit. Mm. It's sort of delicate and pretty and, and obviously a brilliant long-laster, which we love. But it's such a delightful flower, and I, and I love the way you get so many blooms on one stem, all at different stages of opening and... And my favourite thing about them is the way they uncurl so beautifully in like a, a swirl, a swirly curler. Um, I mean, I just love that. Isn't nature amazing, Lucy? Mm, I certainly they is. Do that. Absolutely love it, yeah. How do they do that? Clever little things, those Lizzie. That's what we call them in the flower world. Oh, Lizzie. Lizzie. Yeah. Okay. Learn with friends. In the know. In the know. Um, but they're, they're, you can get these really amazing double frilly ones, and they, they remind me of those kind of 80s lady dye roughly collars. Oh, yes, and, um, I yes. I wanted a shirt like that. I bet you had one. I did have one did like you? that. I did. Did you? I kind of went for a bit more of a new romantic look with um, with that kind of thing. What was your 80s look, Lucy? Uh, my 80s look was a bit Duran Duran, actually. Okay. I went for a white lace sort of it sounds ghastly but it was quite nice at the time mm. a white lace sort of um tiered skirt and then i used to tie uh sideways on one of my mother's beautiful scarves that was black it was almost like a gypsy scarf and i used mm. to tie it sideways on over this way and knot it at the side and i honestly thought i looked like the bee's knees Jaunty. on the dance floor mm. Jaunty, do you know what i don't want to talk about lizianthus now no no let's talk about your 80s fashion no let's not and did you have did you have like electric blue mascara all the azure Azure oh, Shimmer azure. by Rommel. And, and pearly, pearly lipstick. Always. Covent Garden Slicker. Pearly lipstick. Covent Garden Slicker was my lipstick. Guy liner. Nice. Guy liner. Lots of Mancara, which is mascara. Quickly. Back to Lizzie quick, Anthus. Quick, back to Lizzie Anthus. Um, 
So, Lysianthus. I love them, and I love them, love them, love them. And um, are you a fan, Lucy, of the Absolutely love them. Absolutely love them. And I really do love using them, buying them, because, as you say, they last an awfully long time. So, always happy to have them in my kitchen, in my sitting room. Absolutely big buyer, big fan. Love it. Mm. Love it, love it. And they come in so many different colours, from a sort of lovely, indulgent, clotted cream, and then that kind of slightly greeny white and then kind of every shade of pink and purple you can think of. Um, but I don't want to be an old downer, um, grumpy knickers, but they, I do have two little Lizzie issues. Uh, firstly, you expect them to have a scent because they're so pretty. Fair so enough. you lean in and smell, and, but they don't smell of anything. Okay. So, you know, it's not a bad thing, but aesthetically they are beautiful. And the second thing is I think they've been slightly over-farmed and one sees too many of them. So I mustn't be so negative about such dainty lovelies because um, they're super for a summer wedding, mm. for a mixed decoration. Mm. I mean, one particular wedding I did, it was a late spring one, um, and it springs to mind. <laughs> See what I did there? Um, I mixed cream ones, cream lisianthus, with white roses and a really beautiful white lilac, mm. English lilac, um, with a little tickle of pussy willow. And the cream and white together softened with great big blousy white hydrangeas um and of course with my always sort of signature silver eucalyptus um it was such a lovely soft look it was sort of romantic and ethereal and luckily the bride loved it and uh she was a typical bride in that she was quite particular let's put it that way fair enough and the mother was well we love the mothers lucy mm. that's what i'm saying yeah mm. love, just love a lizzie Fair enough. And who doesn't love a tickle of Pussy Willow? That's what I say, Paulie. If you I love a it. bit of Pussy Willow. Yeah. Anyway, yes, I can imagine that. Perfect for weddings. And not too expensive either. I've When I've purchased it, I've always been kind of, oh, okay, maybe I'll get two bunches. Yeah. Because that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a great way of filling and all of that. Um, I actually did some research and I dug into the world of fact and fiction and found out that Lysianthus has a few rather good facts. It's known as a Texas bluebell, a prairie gentleman, or Alira del San Pedro, descended from North American wild flower that is native to Texas and Mexico. The single flower represents poppies or tulips, while the double variety, those lovely frilly ones you were talking about, Paulie, mm -hmm. has the appearance of a peony or a rose. Other colloquial names for the Lysianthus are poor man's rose, due to its striking similarity to the rose. That's a great interesting, mm, isn't it? It is very pretty. Mm. So standing up to 60 centimetres, these herbaceous annuals are sometimes also grown as a stunning dwarf variety. I thought you were going to say stunted dwarf. <laughs> I don't think you can say that. No, no, it's not. Anyway, move on. So considered a relatively new genus, the Lysianthus dates back as far as the Victorian era. So mm. that's actually not that far compared to some of the blooms that we've the, the investigated. Yeah, mm. ancient ones. So when it was bought then in the Victorian era, it was used to symbolise a flashy or a showy person. So that could have been either one of our fathers, really, couldn't it? I would say so, definitely, mm. very much so. Mm. Paddy, a Paddy or an Edric, yeah. I'd say. Yeah. Mm. Sometimes referred to by its scientific name, Eustoma, the beautiful Lysianthus range covers all sorts of colours, purple, blue, violet, white, pink, and the colour of each Lysianthus flower holding its own unique meaning. Eustoma stems from the Greek words eu, which denotes something beautiful, and stoma, meaning mouth. Lysianthus, on the other hand, comes from the Greek words lysos, meaning smooth, and anthos, meaning flower. So that's quite a nice combination of those. Mm, yeah, lovely, lovely like combo. That. 
With delicate petals and oval-shaped leaves, it has been said to symbolise appreciation, making the Lysianthus an absolutely ideal gift for giving to loved ones who you think the world of. Gosh, I feel awful that I was a bit mean about them earlier. And also you've never given them to me. Well, I know. It's never too late. Um, (laughs) And how lovely is all that to know? I mean, gosh. I mean, they are the perfect thank you gift. And often given as a romantic gesture to someone for whom there might be a deeply felt romantic attachment. Mm. Mm. But Lysianthus really are the ideal gift of appreciation and represent admiration for a sociable friend. So perhaps I should give you some, darling. (laughs) Also symbolising gratefulness and charisma, this beautiful long stem flower makes a perfect bouquet when wanting to show respect, love, acceptance and acknowledgement. And as the Lysianthus has its roots... As a prairie flower, it's also suggested that it represents old-fashioned values and receptivity, calming thoughts, and congeniality. Ooh, that's oh, that's rather lovely, isn't it, Paulie? Gosh. I love that. I love the old-fashioned values, mm. calming thoughts. I think that's very fabulous flowers TV podcast, very, I would say. Very. It's our mantra. <laughs> so, Lysianthus, as you previously mentioned, are the ideal wedding flower along with other beauties such as peonies, ranunculus and roses, and often featured in centrepieces for wedding arrangements, as well as in bridal bouquets, corsages and boutonnieres, otherwise known as a buttonhole. The versatile bloom looks stunning when paired with flowers of similar size, such as roses, miniature gerberas and hyacinth, but they also hold the floor on their own. This gorgeous and stunning little blossom is an overall winner in the flower world and is always an appreciated gift. Is that a hint? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Bravo, Lysianthus. That's what I say. What a brilliant little all-rounder. Absolutely brilliant. So, we say goodbye to the Lysianthus and we say hello to our floriography fun facts, Lucy. Mm-hmm. The part of our podcast where we research and share what we find with all you lovely listeners on all kinds of flowers foliages, techniques and floral history, including messages and secret meanings. And this week, we are delighting in a wild, evergreen beauty. And that is, listeners and viewers, the ivy. Ivy, ivy, ivy can ivy. Gorgeous. A firm favourite of mine. It's just the perfect way to finish off an arrangement. And I love to use it if I'm doing like a huge urn arrangement in a church. I think just a tickle of ivy dribbling down the front just softens it and um, it gives it that big scoop of secret garden. You did that at my wedding in the windows of the church in gorgeous Kerry Mm. in a tiny village called Carhadaniel. You put beautiful roses and all sorts of things in the window and then the ledge, which was a slight slant on Mm. a 45 degree angle down towards the pews. I remember you had that ivy cascading down, very Ophelia-like, very medieval-like. It was just incredible. Because with a a sloping windowsill, you're like, Mm. what are you going to do with that? So it worked yeah. very well. And actually, of course, as we've spoken before in other podcasts, you had a tickle of it down the back of your dress. Mm. That was the ivy. Mm. Um, <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, but I'll, I mean, I've got a particular one in mind that I mm. did for a big wedding in mm. Wiltshire, and I'll, I'll put that up on our Fabulous Flowers Instagram. Yes. Um, it was a massive explosion of white delphinium, and this, there was the plinth, the urn, all the lilies and roses, then masses of white delphiniums with lots of lovely ivy. And it stood about th- these pair of them each side of the altar mm. at the church they stood about four meters tall wow uh, towering wow and quite sort of vertiginous 
vertiginous. Mm, like vertigo. Upright and yeah, yeah, like vertical. Dizzying. Yes. And to stop them falling over, because there is that thing when you think, mm, crumbs. Health and safety. That is the word, crumbs. Don't kill the cranky. bride. Is it going to fall over? And because I have such a wonderful team of florists, it's all about the weight distribution with okay. the blooms to okay. stop it. So you can go as high as you like, as long as you've got your weight. It's a bit like walking in heels, I suppose. Oh, yes. I can't tell you about that. I can tell you about that. <laughs> Um, but anyway, brilliant. Um, so it all worked fine. Yeah, it all worked fine, darling. I, I know. I love a bit of ivy. Mm, goodness me, how marvelous! So, in the language of flowers, floriography, ivy signifies friendship and affection. It can also mean fidelity and loyalty, as well as marriage and a strong bond of love in marriage. This is mostly because of the vine qualities of the ivy, since it looks like a cord and symbolizes a binding. And it's what will keep couples and friends close together. Mm. Ivy also has a symbolic Celtic meaning in the oam, and that is pronounced oam, but spelt O-G-H-A-M. Oam is an early medieval alphabet used primarily to write the early Irish language and later the old Irish language. There are roughly 400 surviving orthodox inscriptions on stone monuments throughout Ireland and Western Britain the bulk of which are in southern Munster. And in fact, there are a few in gorgeous Kerry right next to our local pub, Paulie, which we like to frequent there, the pub that I know you know who owns that pub. Who owns that pub? It's the lovely pretty Sandra. Lovely pretty, did you say? Yes, she's very pretty. Is she? Be nice. Oh. Uh, Sandra, <laughs> she takes charge of all of that, doesn't she, in the pub and makes us sit ever so nicely before we uh, we have our drinks. But the, the Oam or Ogham stone is there and it has inscriptions on it. And the Celtic meaning of ivy deals with the connections and friendships because of its propensity to interweave in growth. Ever furrowing and intertwining, the ivy is an example of the twists and turns our friendships take, but also a testimony to the long-lasting connections and bonds we form with our friends that last over the years. Another tribute to friendship, another tribute to friendship, as well as the test of time, is the ivy's ability to grow in challenging environments. The ivy is incredibly durable and can withstand harsh conditions. This is symbolic to our ability to stick by our friends no matter what. Oh my God, Lucy, filling up a bit. Filling up a bit. It's amazing. And I think when you think of ivy, you always think of Christmas. Yes, like true. The holly and the ivy. Yes. No singing. When they are both full grown. Absolutely. Mm. And as we know, it's gorgeous used at a winter wedding. I mean, mm. what can you use at winter? Lovely hedgerow things. Mm. Uh, evergreen and, a, and, as you say, amazing symbolism. But at a winter wedding, I'd like to mix it with big, blown white amaryllis, Oof. lots of old man's beard, and um, a bit of buried ivy. Mm. So classy, mm. so smart. I like to garland a cake table with it. Um, and as we know, it means fidelity, as you just mentioned, because mm. it grips to things with great fervour. Mm. Um, and it's also nice to swirl it around, around the stems, under the water in like a goldfish bowl vase. Oh, lovely. So it looks kind of How beautiful. Mm. So you get your length of it. Yes. Twiddle it around the stems oh, of the flowers. Oh, like a spiral of yes. ivy. How gorgeous. Under the water, and it looks really kind of, you know... Ooh, must do forest. one of those do those yeah. a film of one of those just make your normal bunch of flowers look amazing elevate it i remember doing a wedding at chelsea hospital not actually at the hospital but the yes you know, the old christopher yes. wren building yeah and um i've got a beautiful photograph of a table with the cake yeah lots and lots of apricot petals mm-hmm. um i don't see peach 
apricot and then tons and tons of ivy swagged around it mm. um and i'll pop i've got a photo I'll pop great it up the let's Insta. pop that up definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, actually it reminds me of um <laughs> a bride came to see me and she went "Ooh, i love ivy and so i told her my um you know uh story that it means fidelity mm. and she said to me oh that's good because i'm pregnant <gasps> i said Whoops, Daisy. She went, oh, didn't you say fertility? I said, oh, oh no, no, no. <laughs> I said fertility. That's hilarious. Anyway, so anyway. Oh, my God. She sort of confessed that she had a bun in the oven. That was fine. Oh, though. never mind. Yes, Cover yeah. it with ivy, darling. Knowing frock. Yes. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stretchy <laughs> sidebirds. Yeah. Anyway, so the ivy can also make a wonderful, bright, light house plant. So if you don't have a garden, you can have ivy. It can grow long and lush and bring a bit of the outdoors inside. Growing ivy is easy. And as long as you know what makes the ivy plant happy, you're laughing. English ivy grows very well in pots with a stake or other vertical structures for it to climb up or in hanging baskets where it can tumble over the edges. You can also grow it in a pot with a shaped wire frame to create a topiary design. Oh, I like that. That would be fun. So you could make your own topiary design and then the ivy would grow over it. It's like an obelisk. Love that. Or a a teddy bear. Anyway, um, so variegated ivy types especially are attractive when planted in this way. Mm. Like many evergreen plants, which impressed European cultures by persisting through the winter, ivy has traditionally been imbued with a significant spiritual ethic, and it was brought into the home to drive out evil spirits. In ancient Greece, wreaths of ivy were used to crown victorious athletes, and in ancient Rome... It was believed that a wreath of ivy could prevent a person from becoming drunk. Such a wreath was worn by Bacchus, the god of intoxication. Must we go and make a couple of those then? No idea what you're talking about. What? Lost you there, Lucy. But um, (laughs) ivy bushes or ivy-wrapped poles have traditionally been used to advertise taverns in the United Kingdom. And many pubs are still called the ivy. Mm. Wow. Um, the clinging nature of ivy makes it a symbol of love and friendship and there was once a tradition of priests giving ivy to newlyweds Um, as it clings to dead trees and remains green it was also viewed as a symbol of the eternal life of the soul after the dead body has gone to the other side this was believed in Mm. medieval Christian symbolism yeah brilliant love it goodness me it's also interesting. Yeah, Actually, it is. Do you know what? When I'm out on a country walk mm. and I see some beautiful ivy trails, I just wish I had my scissors with me. But, um, oh gosh, I have to, it reminds me of, I did a wedding down in deepest, darkest Cornwall. Mm-hmm. I'll keep it brief. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the little, sort of, what are they called? Bridesmaidy girls. Yes. Very sweet. Mm. They had circlets of ivy. Gorgeous. Very easy to do. We can do Gorgeous. a fabulous flowers film Gorgeous. Let's. Piece of ivy. Mm. Uh, sorry, piece of wire. Mm-hmm. Ivy wrapped around it, made into a circlet. Da, 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 da. Beautiful. Just here. Really pretty. Anyway, I've been down there for three days, done the enormous wedding, driving back from Cornwall to London, mm. stopped to get petrol, mm. opened the back of the van, mm. and there are all the circuits in the back of the van still. What? And I'd You'd forgotten them. to get them out? Yeah. Forgotten to use them? Yes. Forgotten to put them on their heads? Well, I, don't, I just give them to a, you know, an aunt or a mother, and she just deals with it. Oh. And I'm, just saying, I'm thinking, oh, gosh, the wedding... Is oh. half an hour, and I'm four mile, four hours. <gasps> what did so, you do? Um, Nothing. I you no. Know, I rang the next day, and yeah. luckily they had some ivy in the garden, Phew. and there was kind of sweet girl who oh, did it gosh. with some ivy, and wow. it was just the most terrible car. Awful. Crash. <gasps> I suppose things do go wrong. 
We're yes, only very human. Rarely, very rarely listeners. We're only human, Paul. Yes, darling, I know. Thank you. But anyway, we love, love, love Ivy. And what's fab about it? It's actually a wonderful Victorian name. Oh, um, yes. And it seems to be coming slightly back into fashion. Yes, I love that. Mm. Yes, that's certainly going to be on the baby name list to come. Um, so, as always, please, please keep taking your wonderful photos and tagging us at Fabulous Flowers TV so we can enjoy those and share that joy with others. And please, please do subscribe to our TV channel over on YouTube. We have now completed the first four of our 12 festive filmettes, so you'll be wanting to hit the notification bell on that TV channel to get advanced warning for when those gorgeous and helpful festive films will hit the screen. Absolutely. And the more subscribers we get, the more films we can make. Now, without further ado, mm -hmm. as it's November and yes. the Festival of Remembrance will shortly be upon us, Lucy and I wanted to close on giving the poppy the final bow for this podcast. Poppies have long been used as, as a symbol of sleep, peace and death. Sleep because the, because the opium extracted from them is a sedative. And death because of the common red blood colour of the red poppy. In Greek and Roman myths, poppies were used as offerings to the dead and used as emblems on tombstones and other sort of memorial uh, stone mm. situations to symbolise eternal sleep. Love that. Mm, I love that it's too. It's quite poignant. And the remembrance poppy is an artificial flower sold by veterans associated to raise money for servicemen and service women, which is what we wear every year. Um, but small remembrance poppies are often worn on clothing leading up to Remembrance Day slash Armistice Day. And poppy wreaths are often laid at war memorials in Australia, New Zealand, all around the world. They are worn on Anzac Day. The originator of the poppy, Madame Guerin, raised funds during World War I for widows, orphans, veterans um, and US liberty bonds and charities such as the Red Cross and food for France. But after that war, no, what am I saying? After the armistice. That's it, that, that's it. Sorry, after the armistice that ended World War I, the French government formed La Ligue des Enfants de France et d'Amérique. Which to you and me very was, good, ah, Paul. Very I good. Know. Ooh la la. It wasn't even Latin. Ooh, Ooh la la. la. And, <laughs> I was about to break into the can can there. <laughs> but um, the, which is to you and I, it's the Children's League of France and America, a charity which used a poppy as its emblem. But uh, Madame Guerin created the American branch of this charity called the American and French Children's League. Many organizations adopted the poppy as their memorial flower after World War I ended. And in 1919, Madame Guerin established Poppy Days under the auspices of her wonderful charity. That's amazing, isn't it? Good for her. And it still marches on, which is great. Mm. During the First World War, previously beautiful countryside in Britain and Europe was blasted, bombed and fought over again and again. The landscape swiftly turned into fields of mud, bleak and barren, where little or nothing could grow. But... Out of this devastation, the delicate but resilient bright red Flanders poppy grew and flourished in their thousands. Flanders Fields is the name of a First World War battlefield in medieval county of Flanders, which spans southern Belgium and northwest France. Shortly after losing a friend in Ypres in 1915, a Canadian doctor, Lieutenant Colonel John McRae, was inspired by the sight of poppies growing in the battlefields 
and he wrote his now famous poem in Flanders Fields. The red poppy came to represent the immeasurable sacrifice made by his comrades and quickly became a lasting memorial to those who died in World War I and all later conflicts. This poem was first published on the 8th of December 1915 in the London-based magazine Punch. It inspired American War Secretary Monica Michael, who bought poppies to sell to her friends to raise money for the servicemen in need after the First World War. And it was adopted by the Royal British Legion in 1921, who ordered nine million of these poppies and sold them on the 11th of November. And every year after that, it's become the poppy appeal. The poppy has been adopted as that symbol of remembrance ever since. The opening lines of St. John McRae's, sorry, the opening lines of John McRae's World War I poem refers to poppies growing among the graves of the war victims in this region of Belgium. The poem is written from the point of view of the fallen soldiers, where they now lie, and in its last verse, the soldiers call on the living to continue the conflict. In Flanders' fields, the poppies blow between the crosses, row on row, that mark our place. And in the sky, the larks, still bravely singing, fly, scarce heard amid the guns below. We are the dead. Short days ago, we lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow, loved and were loved, and now we lie in Flanders' fields. Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you, from failing hands, we throw the torch. Be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep. Through poppies grow in Flanders' fields. Oh, that was lovely, Lucy. Really lovely. Um, oh, God. Sorry. Um, but today, the wonderful... Slightly moved there, listeners. Wasn't that lovely? Thank you for that. But today, the wonderful red poppy represents all those who lost their lives on active service in all conflicts, from the beginning of the First World War right up to the present day. It also honours the contribution of civilian services and the uniform services which contribute to national peace and security, and acknowledges innocent civilians who have lost their lives in conflict and acts of terrorism. It's a matter of personal choice whether someone chooses to wear a poppy or not, and how they were to use it. I mean, you've got a lovely key ring. I, love I that have, key yes. Yeah. From paper poppies to pins, bag charms to pet poppies. Ooh. I've got one of those for have Kerry you? the Collie. Yes, it goes on her go. collar. Mm. Oh, I like that. And now on face masks. Yeah. No, I love that. The best way to wear a poppy, though, is just simply with pride. That's what I say. Mm. And on that very memorable and poignant note, until next time on Fabulous Flowers TV podcast, it's a goodbye from me. Goodbye. And a goodbye from me until we meet again. Next time from me too, goodbye.